Okay, so as we talked about last week, Jamer Candelario, no longer Detroit Tiger, free agent effective immediately. That has sparked a very fascinating conversation within this fan base, and I'm sure this front office, hopefully this front office, about the future of the third base position with the Detroit Tigers. And that's what we're going to talk about today, short-term, long-term, all of it, all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, November 21st, 2022. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Okay, so as we said in the cold open, Detroit Tigers officially non-tender Jamer Candelario. We talked about that on Friday night's episode. That has also, as I said, sparked a a, a really fascinating conversation about third base. And I, I wanted to dedicate an entire episode to the third base conversation because I think there's a short term conversation I think there's a long-term conversation and it's all intertwined and it all matters what your opinion of the long term is kind of determines what your opinion of the short term is and and there's so much that happens around the conversation of or the decision rather of Jamer Candelario no longer being a Detroit Tiger and there's so many different avenues that this team can now go down. And and I I love it because that's something that's a cool position to be in. A lot of cool conversations can be started. And and there's just there's so many different possible outcomes. And that's great. Um, and so, yeah, that's going to be today's show. We're just going to talk about all of the likely, I guess, conversations around what to do at third base. And some of y'all are already so good about, you know, like on Friday's show, we talked about Jamer getting non-tendered, obviously. And some of y'all immediately were like, hey, how about so-and-so and so-and-so for third base? And that's awesome. And I love the interaction. I love seeing where where y'all's heads are at for a lot of this stuff, because um, I, I think the more input on a situation, the better for the conversation. So I, I love that. Also, there was also a comment. <laughs> this is totally unrelated, but there was also a comment on Friday's show. Somebody else had made a comment about like, oh, you know, like five years from now, like let's see where the Tigers are at or whatever. And somebody else replied. One of y'all replied <laughs> and said, maybe in five years, Scotty's beard will have grown in. Now, I'm not here to point fingers. I think it's the funniest thing I've ever read in my life. I laughed out loud for a very long period of time. I thought it was very well played. I know I'm not, I'm not ignorant to it. I'm not oblivious. I'm aware that facial hair and me don't mix. Okay. I don't don't want that to come across as like, Oh, look what he's trying. And it looks terrible. I have to time it out. You know, Thanksgiving's around the corner. I got to look nice. I'm going to shave later. You, you, you feel me. You get where I'm at. Okay. So, Back on track. That was just, seriously, I was like almost in tears laughing. It's one of the funniest things I've ever read in a comment section of an episode. Um, It was like so out of left field. Anyway, third base. Okay. 
I think with the short term, I think we have to start with the short term possibilities at third and then move into the long term because I feel like what you do this offseason at third base kind of determines what, not determines, it speaks volumes to what you think the opinion of third base long term is. Okay, I hope that makes sense. First off, I want to just go over the infielders currently on the 40-man roster to just prove to you and really highlight none. Of, nobody on the 40-man roster right now is the opening day third baseman. Okay? Javi Baez, obviously he's opening day shortstop. Cody Clemens, uh, for my money, I still don't think Cody Clemens is on this team in March. I think that he's going to be one of the first players to get kind of just on the outside looking in, just pushed off the 40 man once we sign more and more free agents, but he's still on there for the time being still not going to be the opening day third baseman. Andy Abanez, a waiver claim, probably more of a like utility infield type. If he does make it through the off season, he's another candidate to not make it through Ryan Kreidler. We'll talk about him later. Um, we can talk about him right after this. Actually, we can just get that conversation out of the way because there's some people that that are riding that train, and I wanted I want to highlight that and, and really have a conversation about it. Andre Lipsius, love the dude like crazy. One of his biggest fans on the planet. Don't think you can pencil him in as opening day starting third baseman. Wenzel Perez, another really fun prospect. Don't think you can pencil him in as opening day starting third baseman. Jonathan Scope, no. Zach Short, no. Again, another guy in the same conversation as Ibanez and Clemens. And then Torkelson obviously won't be either. So that's it. Those are all the infielders on the 40-man. The only one that I think is even worth discussing, and I only thing it's worth discussing because other people have discussed it and not because I think there's even a remote chance of it happening, but I've seen it out there and I want to address it is Ryan Kreidler. Okay. I don't think that you can convince me that Ryan Kreidler should just be the opening day third baseman going into next season. Now that doesn't mean that I don't think he can turn into that someday. That doesn't mean that I don't believe in his ceiling. He is a, Dang good ball player, all right? And, and I, I do want to see him continue growing and, and continue developing and see what he can turn into. But opening day third baseman in 2023, absolutely not. This dude had a sub-500 OPS. And granted, it, it was what, 26 games? Yeah, it was 26 games. Okay, but he had like a 477 OPS in his only 26 Major League Baseball games. And in AAA this season... He had a 213 batting average. He had a great walk rate, slugging percentage over 400. Like th those numbers are fine, but he had a 213 average. And, and I don't know. I, I think he broke his hand. He got hit by a pitch early on in the season, right? Or right before the season started. And I think that that might have affected him more than the organization let on because this is a dude that raked in 2021, like was maybe the best hitter in the entire minor league system of the Detroit Tigers uh, was unbelievable. Like OPS in the 900s, batting average over 300, slugging percentage over 500, walk rate of like, <laughs> he was he was unreal, okay? So I, I think that maybe it was a thing with the broken hand, but regardless, for this year, I, I just, I can't see it. Now, what... Do I see out of Ryan Kreidler this year? I think that Ryan Kreidler could be a phenomenal super utility infielder. 
just in the 26 games he played in 2022, he logged time at second, short, and third and was positive defensively in pretty much any defensive metric you can think of in all three. It's actually like ridiculously impressive, to be honest. Um, so in 18 innings, that's it. At second base, he was a zero DRS and a plus one outs above average. In 94 innings at third base, he was a plus three DRS and a plus two OAA. That's in less than 100 innings, he had a plus three DRS. And then at shortstop in 86 innings, he was a plus two DRS and a plus three outs above average. Then logged two innings in center field at the end of the season, as we remember, too, and was actually a net zero defender, but it's two innings, so whatever. That barely counts. My point is, in that small of sample size, he can be that plus of a defender at all three infield positions, obviously Sands first base. I think that he has the potential to be a phenomenal, and again, if the bat comes around and you can't keep his bat out of the lineup and he takes those steps developmentally, I'm not saying that in two years from now or even in 2024 that we're not like, oh, Ryan Kreidler, like maybe he could be the everyday starting third baseman or whatnot. I don't think it's likely, but I'm not saying it's impossible either. We've seen the heights that his back can reach at certain level of the minors. I think he's going to excel at a role where he's playing almost every day because he's playing plus defense at three different positions and you can cycle them out and platoon and whatnot. But you know, those guys that play like 80 to 110 games all at different positions, you know, play twice a series at different positions and plays plus defense everywhere and is a solid bat. That I think is Ryan, right up Ryan Kreidler's alley and that's super valuable. And like this is a 477 OPS and yet he was still a positive win player on fan graphs. That's ridiculous. I don't care how small the sample size is. He had a 178 average, a 244 on base percentage, and a 233 slug. That's horrific, obviously, but was so good defensively that it was still a positive 0.2 war player. He's something special in the field. And it's not enough, again, not everyday third base, but I do think that there's a, a very solid chance that he's, you know, we moved on from the Castros and whatnot, that he is the guy that we turn to and we're like, hey, you could be a darn good super utility infield type guy for this team. And that's what we want you to focus on. Okay. Not not feeling the opening day third base for 2023. Okay, let's get into some of the free agents. We'll go outside the organization now that we've looked inside the organization. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source. For betting info, stats, news, and analysis, get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball, soccer, happy World Cup, by the way, esports, we've got it all at betonline.net. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix in. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Segment two here, Locked on Tigers. Uh, okay, so we t- took a look at inside the organization, which is not a very long list, right? It's one guy, and even that is more of a me addressing other people's conversations that they've had rather than ones that I want to have or believe are possible. So I, I don't think there's really anyone on here that even threatens to be the opening day third baseman for this team, which takes us to 
bringing in outside talent, which is the free agents, especially the easiest way to bring someone in. It's all about money. You don't have to give anybody up. You don't have to trade anybody away, et cetera. You just go out, you give them the money they asked for. They're on your baseball team. Congratulations, right? So I think the two biggest ones to start with, the two biggest players are probably Brandon Drury is is the one we should start with. He is probably the best third baseman on the market. If you don't count like Arenado, like he opted back in, I guess Turner is still like could technically be the best third baseman on the market. I think that's probably fair, but he's like pushing 40 already. That's not a conversation for the Tigers. I don't think so. Brandon Drury becomes one of the best options at third base. And it is admittedly a thin third base market, which makes, makes the decision to get rid of Jamer even more profound and like even more of a statement than it already was. So, Looking at Drury, the reason why I've liked him so much, and I've talked about it on this show, I've talked about it when I've guested on other shows, I, I really like this. And the reason why is because he's 30, and if you sign him to a multi-year deal, even if, let's say, next year or two years from now, you have a prospect within the organization, we'll talk about that later in the show, that you think is ready to be everyday third baseman, it's your time to shine, Drury can get moved to second. He can get moved to I, even first if you really needed it for Torkelson's sake this year. He can play, like I guess, corner outfield if you really needed it. But the biggest thing is, is he has the versatility to play multiple positions. He has that ability to, again, really second base is like the the big one for me, the the ability to hop over there and, and play second. But – Again, he played not this season, but in 2021, he logged 50 innings in the outfield. And then in 2019, he had 200 innings in the outfield. It wasn't phenomenal defense, but he's logged innings in the outfield. Uh, But third base, 513 innings at third this year and 190 innings at second base this year. In his career, he's logged just about 1,500 innings at second and third base. Uh, is around a net zero defender at second. DRS likes him a lot more, or sorry, OAA likes him a lot more than DRS rather. Um, So even at third and at second, he's like a slightly positive defender or around a net zero uh, for OAA and then like a slightly negative defender year in and year out for DRS. But the point stands, no matter what, around a net zero defender, But the reason you bring him in is because he slugs the baseball. He has a very solid slugging percentage across year in and year out. I mean, a 434 career slug this season had a 492 slugging percentage and 28 home runs. The other weird thing about Brandon Drury is that in 2016 and 2017, he was an everyday player for the Diamondbacks and still had that slugging percentage and whatnot. He wasn't a great defender but was an above league average or around league average hitter for those two seasons. Then 2018, he barely plays. 2019, he plays in 120 games. Doesn't hit very well, though. 2020, only plays in 20 games. 2021, plays in 51 games. So 2022, he plays in 140 games and has the best year of his career. It's a three-win season. Like we said, almost a 500 slugging percentage, a batting average of just over 263. 
His walk rate for his career is 6%. This season it was 6.7. That's not phenomenal. I, I And I know that that kind of goes against the grain of what I've been preaching for this team and, and whatnot for months, if not years now. Um, his walk rate was in the 31st percentile in the game of baseball. That puts him in the bottom third in the league, just barely, but in the bottom third of the league in walk rate. But K-rate is middle of the pack, doesn't strike out an insane amount. Uh, but again, the reason you get him is because he hits the baseball hard. 72nd percentile in barrel percentage, 62nd percentile in hard hit percentage, 65th percentile in expected slugging percentage. Um, whiff percentage, 67th percentile, not a huge swing and miss guy, even though his K rate is more middle of the pack, uh, 42nd percentile for that one. So not a guy, not a guy that's going to go fishing or, or really expand the zone and, and get a lot of strikes, strikeouts by chasing pitches, even if he's not going to walk a ton. So that still kind of fits the scheme of like dominating the strike zone, right? The Scott Harris mentality, but I, I really, I like this move. And, and again, I like the scope only has one year left and then you kind of have a hole at second base going forward. That could be a Ryan Kreidler thing too. I, I'm very aware of that. I know some people are really big fans of him, so I don't want to just completely throw him aside. But um, there's there's ways for Drury to continuously find his way into the lineup, even if a third baseman in your organization emerges, or even if a second baseman in your organization emerges, even if both emerge, that's still then you just have a utility player that slugs 500. Like that, why is that a bad thing? <laughs> that's a it's a great problem to have. He wouldn't be super expensive. I mean, again, he just had the best year of his career, and it was a three win season. Um, yeah, and, and like it's just since before this year. He had only had one season where he had played in over 100 games since 2017. Like, he just wasn't getting an opportunity. Teams just weren't playing him. And that's why his numbers, when you look at war, people are like, oh, well, Drury, you know, it's he's just a one-hit wonder. Look at his seasons before. Well, he wasn't playing. <laughs> he wasn't getting an opportunity to play. 51 games played, 21 games played, 26 games played, 20 games played. Like, he just wasn't getting an opportunity, whether that was injuries or situations or what. So I tend to lean where I would like Drury to come here again. There's just so much you can do with him, even if you find longer term options there and you don't have to break the bank to get him. I like it. Okay. The other option that I think is on the table when you're looking at best third baseman in the free agent market is Jace Peterson. We kind of talked about him probably like a month ago now. It's probably been a while. I think Jace Peterson is, I don't want to say the opposite of Brandon Drury, but his style of play is vastly different. Jace Peterson has a career walk rate of 11.2%. That is very, very solid. Um, but he has a career slugging percentage of 343. Career. His slug this year was 382. That's like Harold Castro like area of slugging percentage. That is very, very, very low. His career high for homers in a season was this year, and it was eight. Usually he hits like three to six. All right. This is also the best year of his career, 2.2 win season. Uh, mostly he's like a just barely positive player, but he hasn't had a ton of over a hundred game played seasons either, but he fits the same bill defensively in the sense that he is a really good defender, 
but he plays multiple positions. That's the thing that he's similar to Drury in. Plays multiple positions, can play second base really well, can play third base really well. Uh, he is, I mean, he's played corner outfield positions at like a actually decent level. He is a phenomenal defender though. Really solid numbers at third base. Had a plus 11 DRS at third base this season and a plus seven outs above average at third base this season. Uh, that puts him in the 92nd percentile in outs above average. Really good. One of the one of the premier, and again, the years before that, they're around zero. He wasn't getting very many innings at third base or second base. So that's another guy to keep an eye on for. And I think even, I know we need power, and that's why I, I want Drury. But even if they go more of like the walk rate type style that we're, we've become accustomed to this offseason already, this is still an option where, again, if a longer-term choice at third or second happens, guess what? Jace Peterson can play multiple positions. You can even stick him in the corner outfield. You can play short if you really need him to. And he's a really good defender. He's a better defender than Drury is, but just doesn't have the bat that comes along with it outside of the walk rate. So kind of pick your poison. Do you want to go with the better defender that draws walks, or do you want to go with the slightly worse defender, but that doesn't walk as much, but hits bombs. Had a 28 home run season this year and is now a free agent. Different style of players, but emulate the same thing long-term in the sense of their versatility and what you can do with them as long-term options. All right. Okay, let's keep going. I got some a few more outside talent guys, and then we're going to talk about the long-term implications of third base as well and what we can do down the road, you know, years from now, what third base might look like. Uh, okay, so we'll do that right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment, Locked On Tigers. Thanks for tuning in. Um, okay, so we've talked about a few players now. We've talked about inside the organization, Jace Peterson. We've talked about Brandon Drury. I want to talk about Brian Anderson. This is another guy that immediately, he got non-tendered by the Marlins on Friday, right, on their non-tender deadline. And immediately some people were like, oh, what about Brian Anderson? I don't mind it. I actually really like it. And he would, I think, almost certainly be the cheapest option of the three players that were mentioned, but uh, 2022, his age 29 season in 98 games, he had a 222 average, a 311 OBP and a 346 slug. That's obviously not great, but his career numbers are way better than that. And if you look at a year to year basis, this is the outlier season. And even with his outlier season, his walk rate was still right where it has been his entire career. And his K rate has still been where it's at his entire career. So it's not like he just turned into a different player. He just didn't hit for a very high average. That's really what it came down to is his separation between his OBP and his average were about the same. And the slugging percentage dropped off a little bit. It was just the balls that he was hitting weren't uh, hit as hard or as effectively as they usually are. But on a year-to-year -year basis, man, this 2018, he was a three-win player. 2019, he was just under a three-win player. In 2020, in only 59 games, he was almost a two-win player. Pro-rate that, and you're talking about a great season. 2021, in only 67 games, he was a 
win player. Again, you prorate that over 162. You're talking about over a three-win season um, or about a three-win season. And then 2022, this season in 98 games, had a half of a war. Um, and again, like when you're comparing that to some of the players on this team, half a win might as well be the moon to what a lot of people put up in 2022 for the Tigers. But we're trying to compare ourselves to the better teams. And, and I understand that Brian Anderson is not a guy that's going to come in and immediately make you some powerhouse. And he's probably not even like the long-term option at the position. But again, he has versatility. And I think that's important with all these players because I don't think the long-term third base option is out there. There is no like overpowering, oh, this guy can play third and, and you want to go sign him for eight years. And he's like this perennial, like Manny Machado is not a free agent this year. You know what I mean? So I, I think this, these are the players that you're, you're I don't want to say left with, but these are the players that you have to choose from. These are the, the type of players you're talking about, you know, two, three-year deals maybe. And then when your long-term option is established, their contract either is over or you have the ability to move them to other positions. As I said, uh, Brian Anderson has played a lot of innings in the corner outfield, and he's about a net zero defender, depending on what stat used, just either slightly over, slightly under zero. So has the ability to play some corner outfield. Uh, is a solid enough third baseman, about a net zero defensive third baseman as well. Uh, but again, the, the reason why you bring him in is he has a 9.3 career walk percentage. And the last three seasons, it's been over 9.5%. So, again, you're going to be right around just under that like 10% walk rate. That's a solid number. And, again, this year is really the outlier. 2022 is really the outlier for the other statistics. This is a guy who has a career slug of over 400. It's a 410. Um, yeah, I, I don't mind it. I really don't mind it at all. Again, this is a dude that proved pretty comfortably, especially if you talk about prorating the two seasons that he only played in like 60 games, like pretty consistently for a four-year stretch was averaging either just under or right at a three-win season, whether it was, again, he playing the whole season and getting to three wins or prorating it to three wins. So uh, a, a really an off year for him and a chance, a cheap option for the Tigers – to go get, you know he's going to work the count, you know he's going to draw walks, and you know that, again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but if you sign him to a multi-year deal even, when the long-term option is there, he has versatility, he can play other positions, you can keep him in the lineup if you really need to. Okay, so Brian Anderson, I, I like it. I don't mind it at all. Um, yeah, really solid, man. Also, another reason I love him, 99th percentile arm strength. That'd just be cool to have. Like, like no stats, like no deep analysis. Like it would just be dope to have like the guy with one of the strongest arms in the entire game of baseball at third base. That'd just be kind of dope. So yeah, no, no analysis there, but like, that'd be cool. And like certainly helps defensively. Okay. So we've talked about Kreidler. We've talked about some outside players. Lipsius, again, I love the dude to death. I don't think that's really a, a option for 2024 three to be like the opening day third base option he might end up being if it's injuries or player struggle or whatnot but uh not on not on opening day okay my last one that i want to talk about is a complete shot in the dark and if it hits i'm throwing a party on stream we're throwing a, a complete or throwing a parade i'm i'm i don't know i i would freak out if this even remotely became true 
okay? There's a player eligible for the Rule 5 draft. He just had a phenomenal season in the minor leagues for the Milwaukee Brewers, and he plays third base. His name is Cam Devaney, okay? Plays a little third, plays some short, has played second, has played first. He has played everywhere in the infield at the minor league level. We love versatility, as we've made very much a point on this episode. Uh, and we know that A.J. Hinch and this front office loves versatility, too. So we, we fit the mold there. Has I don't know if he's viewed as like a long-term shortstop. I think that's why he's getting looks at other positions. I think he's probably more of a second base or third baseman long-term. Again, this is for third base. This is what we're talking about. And I'm not saying that this dude, you're going to get him in the Rule 5 draft and he's going to be a like star or even a stud because the he's a Rule 5 pick for a reason. The history of Rule 5 picks is not anything spectacular. There's not a ton of great, amazing, you know, organizational talent that is available in the Rule 5. That's why it exists, right? That's literally why it exists, to give players opportunities so they're not log-jammed behind players. Cam Denevy had a unbelievable season in AAA this year for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, well, in AA, and then get, by the end of the season got called up to AAA. But his minor league numbers, okay, in 115 games in AA, he had a 9.4% walk rate, a 259 average, a 340 OBP, and a 483 slugging percentage, okay? Then in AAA... He had a 9% walk rate, a 306 average, a 357 OBP, and a 571 slug. Now, that was like 13 games at 15 games at the end of the season. I understand that. But his double A numbers, that's still a 114 WRC plus. The reason why he kind of fell off the radar in Milwaukee, he was once viewed at as never like a top, you know, 20 prospect in baseball or anything like that, but he was viewed at decently higher earlier on in his career. 2019, he puts up good numbers. 2020, there's no minor league baseball season. Okay, and he's not on the 40-man. So he doesn't play minor league ball. Comes back in 2021, and in 87 games, just really struggles at the plate. Brutal season. 175 average, like a 260 slug, like a, a, a terrible, terrible season at the plate. Then turned around this year and lit it up and almost had a 500 slug. We taught, right, OPS over 800. Really, really solid year. I'm not saying opening day starting third base should be a rule five pick. Okay. That's not what I'm trying to convince you. That is not what I'm trying to manifest. That's not even what I want. But when you're looking at some players available and in the rule five draft, which we will do a lot more rule five coverage as we get into winter meetings and we can talk about players that are available and who the Tigers might look at and whatnot. I just, I really like Cam Denevy and Devani, rather, that I flipped the N and the V. Uh, and I think he's 25 years old. Depends on how much room you have in the 40, man. Depends on what you want to do with your waiver claims. So much is determined on it. And I'm this is like very unlikely. Trying to pinpoint who a team would take in the Rule 5 draft is nearly impossible. Okay, because they're almost so random. Uh, but it would not surprise me if he got taken by someone. And if you're looking at having third base depth, at least go out and sign somebody else. But if you want depth at third base, 
Not a bad dude that's going to be available in the Rule 5 draft. Maybe take a shot on him. And if he doesn't work out, then you cut him in May and you send him back to Milwaukee and he goes back into their system in the minor leagues. And, like, it's no, like nothing to you. You don't lose anything for taking him and him not working out. You just send him back and reopen up a roster spot and you can call someone up. It's not a big deal. Okay, I think that's everything. Yeah, I think that's everything. I know like some people, like Evan Longoria, like he's too old for me. I, I don't think that would be like a one-year thing and I don't know, I, I, whatever. Um, oh, that's actually not everything. I want to talk really briefly about like super long-term. Colt Keith, end of the show. Colt Keith is him. Colt Keith is a phenomenal talent. If you aren't familiar with Colt Keith, look up Colt Keith. Become familiar with Colt Keith because he is – Going to be a great baseball player. He's very good. Um, he is one of, if not the best prospect in the Tigers organization. And the dude plays third base. He played some second. He was drafted as a second baseman. But as he has developed, has played more and more third and been really good at third. But he hits the cover off the baseball. When he first got drafted, he was viewed to be this kind of undersized second baseman that was going to hit for a high average and not too much power. Now he had an OPS of like over 900 and he hit bombs this year. Had some injury thing go on this season, but seems to have recovered fine. Destroyed the Arizona Fall League. He is really good at the game of baseball. And for my money, if there was anyone on the planet that I had to circle and be like, this is going to be the Tigers' third baseman of the future, like years from now, who's going to be the third baseman for the Tigers? Cole Keith would be my answer. So, all of the people we've talked about, all the players we've talked about, and who is available and who's going to get the short term, the reason why I went after dudes with versatility is because the second that this organization believes Colt Keith is ready, I want him in the majors and at third base. And I don't want someone that immediately just goes, okay, well, that's it. You can't play anywhere else than third. We brought you in, but Colt Keith was ready sooner than we thought. So, like, sorry, you're now just, like, not going to play, and that's wasted money then sitting on the bench. Another big reason is Spencer Torkelson. And that's another thing that we will certainly talk about as the offseason goes along. But this is a team that uh, I've said it so many times this offseason. They refuse. They will refuse to have happen that this is not a good sentence. There is no way that they will allow what happened last season at first base to happen again. They will not get caught flat-footed. They will not be in a position where if Torkelson struggles and they have to send him back down, that they don't have a plan B. They absolutely will. And I'm not saying that it's going to be the same guy that they signed to play third base. But I am saying that the more you look for versatility in your free agents that you're mocking to the Tigers, look for versatility because they want it and they need it. Who knows what's going to happen with scope long-term? Who knows what's going to happen with like the corner outfield positions long-term? The corner infield is obviously what we talk, we've been talking about all episode. That's a huge question mark. They need players that can switch positions and play other positions and play them at least decently well on a dime because this organization is going to go through a lot of changes 
not only over the next whatever couple of weeks, months, but over the next like two years, this roster is just going to continue turning and turning, and we're going to keep filtering out players from the previous era and the previous regime. Versatility is key, and the corner infield is pretty much why versatility is key. You need someone who can play third, and you need someone who has the ability to play first if stuff hits the fan again. All right. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. Uh, for your next listen, check out the Locked On the Locked On Sports Today podcast. That's the name of it. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. I think that's all I got for y'all. Um, end of the week with Thanksgiving. Don't think we'll have an episode on Thanksgiving or Black Friday. Definitely not Black Friday. We'll see about Thanksgiving Day, but, like, that's a toss-up. Um, but I'll be back tomorrow. Same time, same place. You know the drill, baby. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch you all then. Go Tigers.